You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us this week. A lot to talk about. Uh, a massive crisis emerging on the border with this caravan or caravans heading north our way. Judicial Watch had a team uh, down south of the border in Guatemala, with, so we, some, we have some exclusive reporting for you. Plus, there's been a big victory in federal court on a major election integrity issue, clean elections specifically in the state of Ohio. And then, of course, the big news this week are these uh, seemingly uh, these seeming explosive devices that were mailed uh, to left-leaning politicians throughout America. Uh, someone's been arrested. I'll talk to you about that, and I'll talk to you about how the left is using uh, that lawlessness is an excuse to try to suppress uh, conservative speech, including attacking Judicial Watch directly. So a lot to talk about today. Uh, but first up is the crisis. It's the border crisis. Uh, there's been an ongoing border crisis, whether or not the media wants to report on it, whether or not the government wants to acknowledge it. But there's been an ongoing border crisis with waves after waves of illegal aliens coming up into the border taking advantage of our asylum laws that essentially allow you to cross the border, claim asylum. Essentially, uh, you are let go while they wait to adjudicate your claims because they don't have enough capacity to keep you long. And if you're a family unit, more or less, they can only keep you 30 days or so. Uh, And then after that, you're free and clear in the sense that you're released, you're expected to show up, and of course, few people actually do show up. And even with their claims are adjudicated negatively, it's unlikely they'll be uh, deported. In fact, if you cross the border, uh, you're pretty much free and clear under current U.S. law and the way it's been implemented as a result of court uh, intervention, uh, liberal activist court intervention, and just the plain meaning of the law. And as a result, you have elements in Central America trying to take advantage of this and trying to break our system by uh, creating and organizing a caravan of illegal aliens and others to target our border. And most dramatically, that took pre- that's taking place now. Uh, it began uh, seemingly in Honduras, uh, went through Guatemala. Mexico pretended to try to cut them off for about 10 minutes, it seems, and then they burst through Mexico and are heading our way now. The numbers ranging from anywhere, I guess it started at 1,000 and went up and up and up to 4,000 and 7,000, although I have a feeling that number will, dis- will get smaller over time as it travels north in Mexico. But the threat of, to America won't dissipate over time because uh, most of this group is men, are men, uh, small minority are children and women, so, of course, that's been the case with much of this, uh, much of the assault on our border. It's basically young men, uh, able-bodied, uh, and it's few families. So the idea that's women and children uh, clamoring across our border is essentially a big lie. The numbers are not immaterial in terms of the actual uh, issue that we're facing at the border. And as I said earlier, uh, we put an investigative team in Guatemala to investigate what's going on, to figure out how the border, how this caravan was organized, uh, and what can be done about it. And to that end, we sent Chris Farrell, who you may have seen on other Judicial Watch videos. Uh, he's director of our investigations and research department, and Irene Garcia, who's one of our uh, long um, 
longstanding employees who writes our Corruption Chronicles blog. Uh, and uh, she's uh, based in, in Florida and uh, uh, excellent Spanish speaker, so she's a great resource uh, for stories like this. And so uh, we sent Irene and Chris down to Guatemala, and guess who they met up with down there, coincidentally, I guess not coincidentally, because Sarah Carter is an intrepid reporter herself, but the great Sarah Carter, uh, who you've seen, I'm sure, on Fox News, on Sean Hannity and elsewhere. So Sarah is a, also a Spanish speaker. Uh, speaker. So uh, they linked up with government sources in Guatemala. Uh, Chris, Irene, and Sarah went down to the border region that Guatemala shares with Honduras to investigate uh, what was going on there. And they ran into, and of course we have the exclusive reporting on our Judicial Watch website, uh, they ran into essentially hundreds of men uh, ranging in age from 17 to 40. Uh, they're rowdy, they're angry. Uh, their perception was many of them were criminals. And uh, uh, this is not a refugee caravan in any traditional sense of the word. That's for sure. Uh, the Guatemalan authorities, according to Chris and Irene, are stretched thin. Uh, you can imagine, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, they, they just don't have competent governments or resources, even if the governments were competent, uh, to uh, be able to turn back uh, organized caravans like this. And I say they are organized because that's what Chris and Irene discovered when they're down there. Uh, they are asking people what, what's drawing them, and they're saying it's jobs, not politics. All the lines are rehearsed. And uh, they're saying it's not organized even as there are people with uh, uh, directing where to go in Spanish in and around the caravan. So uh, this is a significant issue uh, because there are a lot of people who, who, you know, they could be, it doesn't matter what their sex is, male, female, child, or otherwise, this is a dangerous journey. Uh, It's a massive human smuggling operation, human trafficking operation, it places everyone in the caravan at risk. And, of course, in the caravan aren't just poor people seeking a better life, uh, as if that's a reason to break our laws. It isn't. Uh, it includes country uh, immigrants or aliens from other countries outside of Central and South America. Uh, we understand uh, Bangladesh, Angola, Cuba, uh, other places like that that have been pulled aside by Guatemalan authorities. And of course, they can only pull over, you know, they can only do so much in terms of enforcement there. Uh, so uh, the concern as well, based on what the president of Guatemala had said a few weeks ago, and we know this generally, is that Guatemala is a way station for terrorist types coming uh, targeting this part of the world. Uh, over the last two years or so, they had arrested 100 terrorists associated with ISIS, uh, many folks associated with Syria. So it's a dangerous situation where you've got this wild, wild west mentality in terms of organizing massive amounts of people all at once to go and hit our border. And as I said, it's designed to break our system. Now, our system, as I point out, is already broken. In the sense, these there are waves currently of, they don't call them caravans, but they might as well, 500, 1,000 people a day are coming into our border region. So, what, 4,000 come, come up in uh, two or three weeks, assuming they get up here? 
it's just it's just uh, a degree of uh, it's just a difference in order of magnitude, not of kind, of the ongoing crisis we have in the border. So this is, um, and of course, it's Judicial Watch down there telling the truth about this. The media is still pretending this is some sort of organic, spontaneous caravan, which is just absurd because Guatemalan authorities have said to us that, look, it's organized. There are places where uh, there is food, rest points where there is food, water, and medical care. Uh, Chris and Irene, they had scored an interview with the president of Guatemala, Morales, and he said... um, Let me see where he said. President Morales said Guatemala has absorbed the huge cost of mobilizing police and the military to return thousands of people to Honduras. He would like the United States to find him, help him find the organizers of the caravan so they can face legal consequences. As I said, this is a human trafficking operation. Violations of not only United States law, potentially, but I guarantee you the laws in which the countries uh, they're going through, like uh, Guatemala and probably Mexico, if Mexico wanted to enforce the law, Mass immigration like this endangers lives, Morales said. This is unprecedented. We are in the process of investigating who is behind the caravan. And then Morales says, you know, Guatemala is doing everything they can to stop the caravans from moving forward. But as I pointed out, their resources are lacking in that regard. So um, it's organized and it's directed at the United States. So what is it we do in response to this? Um, First of all, we need to recognize the threat. It isn't just economic migrants migrants the way the left would have you believe. As one headline we have um, points out, elaborately planned caravan brings human traffickers and violent gangbangers to Guatemala. Another headline from uh, our Corruption Chronicles blog based on our reporting from Guatemala. Young angry men and gangbangers march towards U.S. yelling, vamos para a la Trump. Here we come, Trump, I think that's how it translates. Uh, our folks were down in, as I said, southern Honduras, uh, southern Guatemala, uh, a town called uh, Chiquicumula. It's about 35 miles from the Honduran border. And they encountered 600 men, all the, as I said, that age range of 17 to 40. And they were marching north. And uh, one was someone who had been deported. Um, others were... Um, uh, and as I said, there were these organized, uh, seemingly these organized chants taking place saying, we are coming Trump. Uh, all the migrants said that they were, uh, it was spontaneous. Of course, what would they say? That were organized? Uh, and um, even as they were organizing, shouting instructions in Spanish, and get this, putting select people in front of the news media. So it wasn't like uh, these folks were just standing around. No, the organizers were actually putting forward spokespeople from the caravan. Uh, And uh, we've got to take a a strong stand here. Uh, I've talked about the potential national security threat, the threat to the public safety. Uh, Many of these folks are, are, uh, or too many of them are, are, uh, you can bet, are criminals. And, of course, the fact they want to come here illegally shows that they want to commit crimes because to cross the border illegally, in many cases, would be a crime. So what to do? Now, I've been advocating uh, placing the military. The president has threatened to place the military at the border. 
Uh, I think he should go a step further. I don't know how placing the military at the border is necessarily solve the issue unless the president is literally willing or willing to literally close the border, prevent anyone from crossing the border, and frankly, unless you're an American citizen. Uh, you know, there's no foreigner who has a right to cross the Mexican border. Just shut it down. Otherwise, he needs to interdict, I would recommend, this caravan. As I said, there's humanitarian issues and national security issues and rule of law issues and protecting our sovereignty issues. So I think that's a good, that's a good reason to deploy the military to protect our interests. Uh, and if it means sending them into Mexico and demanding uh, that Mexico uh, uh, let our folks go in there unmolested to interdict and stop and turn around this caravan, uh, that what should be, that's what should be done. Another step, which may be easier to take in terms of preventing future caravans from forming, uh, is to send troops into Guatemala. Uh, Chris was down there, as I said, Chris and Irene were down there, and, and you know the thinking is it's just putting, I guess, the equivalent of peacekeepers in place in Guatemala that can provide logistical support, medical support, surveillance support, uh, civil affairs support, would free up Guatemalan resources, government resources, to go and better police the border and allow them uh, to really uh, put a surge of their own down on their border with Honduras and perhaps El Salvador uh, to turn away and stop any other caravans from forming and coming north. Uh, but we've got to have a creative uh, mindset in terms of dealing with this problem. Uh, you know, the asylum laws, as I pointed out, have been uh, abused in a way to allow virtually everyone crossing the border at Mexico to say asylum. And as I say, they get, uh, they get put in a system, and uh, it's essentially it's, a, uh, uh, it's the equivalent of just a free get into the United States card. Uh, and it's rare, it's almost impossible to deport you uh, once you're here. So that may require Congress to change the law. Uh, it may also require the president to pull out of the international treaties, as Mark Krikorian has highlighted in a piece he has out this week, Mark Krikorian uh, from the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, this whole asylum regime is a result of an international treaty the United States signed on to, but we didn't sign on to an international treaty that would have turned these asylum claims into a right every supposed non-citizen of the United world has to try to get into and stay into the stay in the United States. We all know what a legitimate asylum claim might look like. You don't have to be an expert in immigration law. You know, you know what it means. It means if you're a persecuted minority in a country or you're targeted because specifically, personally and individually because of your political beliefs, but the idea that because you live in a country where there may be a little too much violence or economic hardship makes you uh, subject to uh, getting asylum. I mean, that's absurd. That means asylum means nothing, and our borders mean nothing if that's the rule. But unfortunately, it is the rule, and that's why we have these caravans being organized to take advantage. And uh, I tell you, if they get to the border, they will get through. I tell you again, if they get to the border, they will get through. So everything you see the administration doing, which would be fair, to try to solidify and bolster the border, which is always good to do, caravans or no, aren't going to stop necessarily these folks from crossing the border. 
Now, there's some news out there that President Trump is considering uh, uh, another form of a travel ban that would prohibit effectively these folks from seeking asylum. I don't know how that will work. My guess is the courts will try to intervene, and uh, I don't know if they'd be successful in the long run in terms of stopping uh, such a travel ban from uh, at the southern border from being implemented, given the Supreme Court decision earlier this year that reaffirmed the president's right under the law to close our borders to entire classes of immigrants uh, based on concerns he has about national security and other issues. But it doesn't mean the courts won't try uh, to subvert uh, the rules there. So it's a real crisis. And of course, Congress needs to act. Congress doesn't want to act. Uh, where is the Republican leadership here? They still control Congress. They see this crisis emerging in Mexico. Why isn't there emergency uh, sessions of Congress to try to deal with this, uh, this uh, clear present danger to our sovereignty? I think it's fair to ask your members of Congress, why aren't they doing anything? I mean, if, if you ask them to do amnesty, they could be all over it. But you ask them to secure the border, it's a big yawn. They don't want to do it. So uh, I don't envy the president. He doesn't have too many good choices here. He has some hard choices to make. Uh, but those hard choices, as I pointed out, would be... Uh, would be in the best interest of the country if I think he follows the types of things that we've been talking about here. So I encourage you to go to Judicial Watch's website, our YouTube channel, and our other various social media platforms to see all the reporting we've done on Guatemala, because no one else has done it. Uh, see all the reporting on the caravans. Go to my tweet, my tweet feed, where I've talked about some of the things I've learned from the reporting as it was taking place. Uh, as I said, it looks like there are organized groups down there, outsiders organizing these caravans. We suspect Americans are behind it as well. We're investigating that uh, uh, for sure. Uh, but the, uh, don't believe it that this is organic. It's planned and it's calculated to undermine the United States of America. And the president is within his rights to deploy the military as appropriate, close the border, and otherwise take uh, executive action lawful executive action as opposed to the executive action that President Obama used to specialize in uh, to defend our sovereignty and defend the American people. So uh, it's a big deal. It isn't going to go away. Uh, and the news of the day uh, may distract the media and Washington from focusing on it. Uh, but just because we're not focusing on it doesn't mean our border isn't on fire. Uh, relatively speaking, in terms of uh, being out of control and uh, being under constant assault uh, from those who just want to break the law to get here uh, with the help, aid, and comfort of too many politicians here in, Wa in Washington, D.C., and all over the country. You know, as I say, this asylum issue is, uh, is an easy way to get in, but what encourages people to get in and avoid the law even after they ask for asylum are these sanctuary cities and policies all over the country that are giant welcome signs for illegal aliens. Now, we are fighting that. We have a lawsuit against San Francisco. Uh, we fought it in other places. Uh, but uh, those politicians and those state officials who encourage illegal immigration are as responsible for what's going on at the border as the bad laws and all the politicians here in Washington.
and they need to be held to account as well. And so I encourage you to figure out what, what, what is the sanctuary policy, if any, of your community and let your elected officials know what you think about that. So uh, it's important that you be vigilant as well because with sanctuary policies and uh, our incredibly free country, once you're here, you could go everywhere, anywhere you want, a legal alien or otherwise, you can go anywhere you want. So in this day and age, every town is a border town. And probably you know that already uh, based on uh, the illegal alien community burgeoning all over the country. Uh, next up in terms of stories is uh, something important. I know the elections are coming up, uh, but it's always, and Judicial Watch doesn't take a position as to who to vote for. We don't advocate for or against candidates. We can't under the law. Uh, but we can advocate for clean elections and fair elections. And to that end, we have an election integrity project. Uh, among its core activities is using federal law that requires states to clean up the election rolls to require states to clean up election rolls. And it allows for private rights of action so a group like Judicial Watch can represent itself or clients and go into states that have dirty election rolls and sue. A, either warn them. Sometimes warning them works, too. Uh, but when it doesn't work, we can sue in federal court. We sued in Ohio and in Indiana. We sued in Kentucky and in California most recently. And the suit in Ohio ended with Ohio agreeing to take certain steps to clean up their roles. The roles don't have to be perfect, but you've got to take reasonable steps to make sure the people who are dead and move away aren't on your election rolls, because that's a recipe for fraud. Dirty election rolls can mean dirty elections. And Judicial Watch has, uh, for the last several years, been doing analyses of census data, comparing it to registration data, as made available through the federal government. And has found that there are many states, too many states, where they have more people on the rolls than are eligible to vote. Let me say that again. They have more people on the rolls than are eligible to vote. So let's say you live in a place where there are 100 people who are able to vote under the law. But when you go and look at the registration list, it says 110 people are registered. That happens all over the country. It was happening in places like Ohio and Indiana. It's happening in Kentucky, which was a mess. It's in California, they don't, best I can tell, they didn't, don't remove anyone from the rolls. They just call them inactive, but they're still on the rolls. And that's a recipe for fraud, because if you know that people aren't there to vote, but you have their names and addresses and such, it's easier to vote illegally in their names. So that's the concern. And so Judicial Watch sued Ohio, and as I said, it resulted in a settlement or in an agreement. Uh, it ended as a result of this agreement that uh, Ohio would at least send out one additional mailing to make sure that people were around. Now, the law doesn't let you just say, um, oh, hey, if you don't send the mailing back, uh, we take you off the rolls. It means you, you, they send the mailing out. They haven't heard from you in two years in terms of voting. Plus, you can't uh, not have voted in two election cycles, federal general election cycles. So anywhere it takes, it takes you to, it takes anywhere from four to six years for you to be removed from the rolls. That seems fair, right? Well, the left doesn't want any of that because I'm convinced the left wants dirty election rolls so they are able to steal elections if necessary. 
Otherwise, why would they oppose us? But they do oppose us. So they hated that Ohio, they hated that Ohio agreement. They sued and tried to get it overturned. And thankfully, the Supreme Court ruled uh, and upheld the validity of that Judicial Watch agreement, its last term. But that's not enough. So they went back to the lower court just recently, and they tried to get the lower court uh, to basically, again, throw out the overturn the Supreme Court opinion and uh, turn back on or put back on the rolls 1.5 million, 1.5 million potentially ineligible voters. And these are people who, based on the, how far back we were going in terms of the calendar, people who have not voted or otherwise communicated with the state about their willing, you know, that they were still there for over a dozen years. But obviously would have included dead people, people who moved to other states. And they were being told, this left-wing group, it was a front for the AFL-CIO, wanted the court to reinstate all of these names. Now, Judicial Watch, because of our interest that I've told you about, filed what is called an amicus curiae brief with the, um, with the court. It's a friend of court brief. And the court cited it in agreeing uh, that that would be wrong in terms of allowing all these names to be put back on the rolls. As Judicial Watch said, that um, the radical step to, increase, to put these names back on the rolls would harm the public interest given that so many of the reinstated registrations would be legally invalid because they are associated with voters who are living in other states who are deceased, as I said. And uh, thankfully, the court warned on October 10th, this ruling came down, uh, that the latest court challenge could potentially be viewed as an end run around the Supreme Court's decision. So uh, we're really gratified that the Supreme, this, this district court judge, a federal court judge, uh, turned aside another leftist attempt to dirty up the voter rolls and to undermine clean elections. So that attempt to put all these individuals who had been lawfully removed from the registration rolls, and a good portion of which should not be on the registration rolls, has been turned aside by a federal court, in large measure, thanks to Judicial Watch. So these are the sorts of battles that have to be fought every day. There's no one watching the store on clean elections, relatively speaking. The Justice Department is starting to come to life again. Uh, under the Justice Department previously, uh, the Obama administration, even during the Bush administration, they didn't want to do any of this because the Justice Department is controlled by the left. Even sometimes when Republicans run it, it's controlled by the left. And so uh, the Obama administration never took any steps to require states to take reasonable steps to clean up the rolls, despite the fact that Judicial Watch, the most judicial, recent Judicial Watch study in 2017, and it was uh, largely the same in prior uh, studies, showed that 3.5 million extra names are on the voting rolls across the country. 3.5 million extra names are on the voting rolls across the country. Those are people who are on the rolls who shouldn't be there in various states across the country. As I said, the Justice Department started to come back to life in Kentucky. They joined our lawsuit in Kentucky, and it resulted in a consent decree in Kentucky where I think 
Kentucky, certain counties in Kentucky, if I recall correctly, had 114% of the voting age population on the voting rolls, or eligible population on the voting rolls. And uh, thankfully, the Justice Department agreed with our concerns. They came in, and uh, the, Kentucky, uh, the state of Kentucky agreed to a consent decree that required them to take reasonable steps to clean up the rolls. So that's good news. So we had good news in Ohio. Ohio is a, an important state. And now they're going to have cleaner elections because of litigation that Judicial Watch has been pursuing for upwards now of six years. And I said, as I said, we won initially. We, you know, we ended the lawsuit thanks to an agreement. But the left came in and tried to undo it. It ended up in the Supreme Court. Even after we won the Supreme Court earlier this year, the left went back again for another shot to try to take it out. So internal, eternal vigilance certainly uh, is the price of working at Judicial Watch, to, coin, uh, to, to stretch the phrase. So uh, we're happy to be able to do the work, but it's important work because I, I can think of there's one, other, one or two other groups on the conservative side who take action along the lines we're doing. But Judicial Watch is certainly the largest. So we've got this big case pending in California. In Maryland, we're asking for access to the rolls to ascertain how dirty they are. And Maryland is fighting us tooth and nail on that, even though the law requires access to the voting rolls. So it's Judicial Watch. It's your watchdog for clean elections right now. And we're doing more than the Justice Department's been doing to date. We hope the Justice Department does more. But as you know, we don't rely on the government to do the work that needs to be done. And when we see an opportunity to do this necessary work, in this case, making sure that your elections are cleaner, we do what we, do what we can under the law. We're uh, happy to be able to do it, and uh, so we'll keep on fighting. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, our election integrity project is run by Bob Popper. Now, Bob used to work at the Obama Justice Department, believe it or not. And he was the deputy chief of the voting section there. So he knows what he's doing. So uh, we're gratified to have that expertise and his team of lawyers doing this great work and getting good results in places like Ohio. So I, I know there are other states with 30 election rolls. We're aware of them. Uh, we've warned a dozen states or so. You can go to our website, look at our election integrity project. So I expect, I hope we file more lawsuits <coughs> to enforce the law. And um, uh, in the meantime, uh, you can ask your states what they're doing uh, and your localities what they're doing in terms of what steps they're taking to clean up their election rolls. Ask them. Ask for the records about it. You're allowed to. You're a citizen. Uh, and see what they give you. And uh, that will be uh, something that uh, you may be interested in learning about. So uh, the other news this week is... Uh, this crazy suspicious package campaign, these bombs or whatever they are, I don't know if they're bombs or not, but they didn't go off, thankfully, that were mailed to or targeted to 10 or 12 Democrats, more or less. John Brennan, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Eric Holder, Maxine Waters, George Soros, <coughs> Kamala Harris, I think, is in the news. Well, thankfully, the, uh, they arrested uh, the guy who they think did it. You know, some gentleman down in Florida. Supposedly, he's a Trump supporter. 
So the media is having a field day with that. Of course, they were having a field day with the fact <coughs> that the targets were all critics of President Trump. So as a result, somehow critics of these people like President Trump are responsible for the criminal acts of some uh, lunatic mailing these suspicious packages and devices across the country. Now, look, I, I know the bombs didn't go off, and I don't know if there were bombs, but they don't need to be go off in order to cause terror. I mean, let's be clear here. If you handle the package, you're going to be traumatized. Your life was put at risk, potentially. The staff that receives these packages, <clears throat> their lives are put at risk. They're traumatized. This is a terror campaign. Now, if it's one man or two people behind it, I don't know who ultimately would be blamed here. It looks like they may have gotten at least the, the, key, the key perp here. I mean, that that's, can't be tolerated. If there's anything that we stand for, it's the rule of law. And this is why Judicial Watch has been calling out people like Hillary Clinton, who called for civil unrest, Eric Holder, who also received one of these threatening packages or was targeted with one, who talked about kicking, kicking people, uh, Republicans and conservatives, when they go low. That's why we, 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 uh, I remember seeing these violent protests, and I was, I was a witness to them during the Kavanaugh hearings. Violence and lawlessness targeting uh, their political opponents on the left, all endorsed by the leadership of the left, like, like Hillary Clinton and company. That can't be tolerated. <clears throat> and lunatics like this gentleman in Florida who were arrested, that can't be tolerated either. So what the left wants to do, uh, by the way, this guy, I, you know, the politics aside, this is just a typical law and order failure in the sense that this man had a rap sheet longer than my arm, and he's out free. And, of course, he committed these acts, supposedly, of sending these mailings throughout the country. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of significant criminal acts being committed by people who have been either on law enforcement radar or people who have been let out of prison early. Or in the case of illegal immigrants, let out and uh, lawlessly uh, allowed to uh, flee uh, federal immigration authorities with the help of localities. Just tired of criminals being let out to commit more crimes. And everyone says, oh, isn't that tragic? Well, you know what? Maybe we don't have to let them out as early as we do. Or maybe we can't be as lenient as we are in terms of incarceration. Because I don't know about you. I know all these uh, you know, folks are calling for prison reform and not having so many people in prison. I don't know how many people should be in prison. How many crimes are there? Is there a person in prison for every crime that's committed? Obviously not. I would suspect that there are too many crimes still in the United States, which means that maybe we need to be incarcerating more people. But I get distracted. I want to focus on what the left is trying to do with this outrageous terror uh, campaign that took place. They're trying to suggest that conservatives should suppress their speech and censor their speech because the targets were people that conservatives have been critical of. They tried to pull this crap with Judicial Watch, I dealt with the Washington Post this week, who had a big story talking about Judicial Watch's Facebook campaign 
educating people on our efforts to expose Soros and tying it to the pipe bomb or device, whatever, that was sent to him. An outrageous smear. What did our work exposing George Soros getting money in, uh, to pr- promote his radical agenda in Albania, our Freedom of Information Act investigations exposing that our government's working hand in glove with this billionaire's foundations to promote an agenda most Americans reject and would be horrified to learn was being promoted with their tax dollars abroad. What, should we shut that down because some nut job decided to target George Soros because they don't like him? Of course not. But that's what the left would like you to do. When you see people say, we need to watch our words, watch our language, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does it mean Maxine Waters is going to be expelled from the House of Representatives? Has perhaps she ought to be after Judicial Watch filed our ethics complaint about her advocating assault against members of President Trump's cabinet? Does it mean that Hillary Clinton is going to be criticized roundly for calling for civil unrest against her political opponents because her allies are not in power? Of course not. They don't care about that. The left can promote violence. I'm not aware of any major political leaders on the right who advocate violence. Are you? I don't. Who say we should beat up our opponents? We should be not be civil to our opponents? Who promotes that? No one. So the fact that this nut job targeted people like this isn't going to stop Judicial Watch from trying to hold Hillary Clinton to account for her criminal activities at the State Department, from criticizing John Brennan for his threatening tweets targeting President Trump and his seeming abuse of the CIA to spy on him, from highlighting the corruption of Eric Holder, which is... (laughs) Talk about a corruption rap sheet, fast and furious. Pardon gate, you name it. That's not going to stop us. I mean, let's all agree that we don't like political violence or assault. Except I don't think we all agree on that because the left doesn't agree on that because now they've used that as a tool and it's been advocated for their leadership to use assault and intimidation and harassment to target their political opponents. So uh, conservatives have nothing to apologize for, generally speaking. Now, of course, you know, there are always individuals who say things they shouldn't say. They're too out there and, and can be fairly uh, interpreted as... Uh, as being inappropriate, uh, you know, welcome to the life. I'm talking about what the leadership of the left is doing right now. As I said, they're, they were heavily organized to destroy and overturn, destroy Judge Kavanaugh, overturn the Senate through lawless intimidation tactics. And you have the former presidential candidate for the Democratic Party advocate civil unrest, says we can't be civil. What does that mean? What's the opposite of we can't be civil? That's civil unrest. 
So I know this bombing story will go away eventually because the guy's arrested, thankfully, and I hope no one is injured. Uh, I pray for those who are traumatized. We all should, uh, having to go through this terror campaign. But uh, I just hope conservatives uh, don't shy away from highlighting the need for the rule of law and anti-corruption efforts uh, where, where it need be done, whether it be Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative. You know, the left has a right to criticize their opponents. The right has a right to criticize their opponents. It doesn't mean that people who get violent on either ends of the spectrum the specific leadership is responsible for what they do. It's just absurd. A Bernie Sanders supporter shot up, nearly killed several congressmen, terribly injured Steve Scalise, Democrat Republican leader. Have you seen the media go, media go after Bernie Sanders? Of course not, because it's, it would be silly to. But that's what the left wants to do. They want to use this, this campaign to suppress your speech if you're a conservative. And uh, the, the free speech rights, the First Amendment rights of conservatives are under a coordinated attack uh, through this intimidation effort, uh, through media pressure, through social media platforms who are arbitrarily and capriciously banning and suppressing conservative speech on these social media platforms. It's a significant issue. And uh, let's deplore violence, let's deplore terrorism, political terrorism, but let's deplore it on both sides. So with that, uh, it's been a busy week here. There's a lot else going on. We have new lawsuits that you'll be interested in on the deep state I will talk about next week. New documents coming out. Uh, So uh, Judicial Watch is always watching. So thanks for joining us this week, and I'll see you next week. Have a wonderful week. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.